This is the Clean Soul Podcast, and I'm Dennis Curtis, your host. Today's podcast is titled, The Helper, Part 2. There's so much to say about the Holy Spirit and the work that He does. It's uh, It would take books and books and podcast after podcast just to explain just a little bit of what He does. But I want to talk about some of the basics. I've already addressed the baptism in the Holy Spirit in two podcasts that are earlier, so if you go and look for these, you'll find them both. So in this session, I want to skip that subject completely. Instead, I want to talk about the fruit and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I hope I have enough time to do both of these. In our technological world, and in countries that have prosperity, I believe that that prosperity is uh, specifically uh, related to the freedom for the gospel to be preached in that country. But in this technological advanced world that we live in here in the United States, it is very easy to become self-sufficient, and I'm sure that's true in other countries. But self-sufficiency is a dangerous place to be when we talk about worshiping and serving the Lord, because right behind self-sufficiency is pride. Pride will be knocking on our door, and pride is making decisions without the input of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that that's really the case that we're in today. We have Christian media of all types. We have prayer apps. We have meditation apps. We have music apps. We have all kinds of different Bible apps. We have so much filling our senses and taking our time. And I'm not even going to mention the worldly media that has such a big part of our time and has a great influence on our thinking. So we have so much going on around us. And do we have time to spend with the Holy Spirit to hear what He's saying? The way of the Holy Spirit, the way He works, And his influence, his purpose, is a privilege for us to follow, for us to get behind and be obedient to him. We need to change the way we think in the world so that we can follow what he's trying to tell us. Now, let's think about Jesus when he was baptized. He's baptized in water. When he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove, as a dove, Now, I don't think this was like a bird coming down on him, a dove, but I think it was in the sense that a a dove might land on him, very gentle and graceful. The Holy Spirit will never force us to do anything. I can tell you there's so many times in my life where he has told me, given me that still small voice and told me to do something, and I just didn't do it for whatever reason. But after that situation... Oftentimes, in some sort of distress, I would ask the Lord, why is you know everything going wrong in this situation? And he would gently tell me about his earlier leading that I refused to obey. God is gracious. I repent and I get back up. And in the midst of this, I'm learning his voice to become more obedient. A couple of warnings the Bible gives us, uh, three in all. The first one is in Ephesians 4.30, and it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And 1 Thessalonians 5.19-22, through 
Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. So we have two words here that that are brought up. The first one is grieve. Grieve the Holy Spirit. So we can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. And we understand that God does have feelings, and He is grieved. Uh, Just before the flood, God uh, said that He was grieved that He had made mankind because they had become so evil. Also, uh, the word quench comes up. Quench the Holy Spirit. This is to hinder His operations through ignorance, failure to recognize uh, what the Holy Spirit is doing or who He is, refusal to submit to the Holy Spirit, impatience. We can hinder His operations by our impatience. And let me tell you, that's one of the big ones for me. A lot of times I'm impatient with Him. I think He needs to do things faster. Also, we can hinder him with self-will, just telling him, I'm going to do it my own way. But notice in that uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, it also says, right after, do not quench the Spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt. So you see, the Holy Spirit speaks through people in prophecies, and that might be a little bit hard for us to understand because People are people. They're not God. But God uses people to speak for him. So we uh, need to judge everything that people are saying, especially when they say it's a prophecy, and reject that which is not of God. Again, we need to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 12, Jesus drives out a demon and The religious leaders of the day tell the people witnessing this that Jesus is empowered by Satan. Jesus then explains that speaking a word against the Holy Spirit is unforgivable. Now, the Pharisees just witnessed a powerful spiritual transaction and attributed it to Satan. We must understand how the Holy Spirit works and what he does and keep our hearts tender to what the Lord is doing, lest due to the hardening of our heart and ignoring the Holy Spirit, and and, uh, we might be misled like the Pharisees and reject the Holy Spirit's work in our life and in the lives of the people around us. Galatians 5, 16 and 17, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. A couple of important words here. Number one is walk by the Spirit. This is to be responsive to the Holy Spirit's voice, guided by the Holy Spirit. And then it says, if we walk by the Spirit... You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Gratify, I thought that was pretty strong in there, will not gratify. So I looked it up in the Greek, and the Greek word is really certainly not. So what the Bible is saying is that we will certainly not gratify the desires of the flesh. Powerful words. So if we have our minds set on what the Spirit is doing and are obedient to Him, 
the things of the flesh will diminish. Jesus' whole life was guided by the Holy Spirit, and it brought him into conflict with Satan and all the people who were under Satan's dominion, so much so that they were trying to kill Jesus. So remember, when we are working with the Spirit and obedient to Him, there's going to be some pressure. In Galatians 5, the works of the flesh are described. Notice that though these are heart attitudes, they are worked out with the body. For example, sexual immorality, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, disunity, fits of rage, selfish ambition, drunkenness, and there's more. But the fruit of being guided by and responsive to the Holy Spirit keeps us safe from the works of the flesh. Notice the fruit of the Spirit is primarily heart attitudes. I'll read Galatians 5, through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Fruit here is singular. The attributes of Jesus are, it's a single thing. All this love, joy, peace is something that abides in our spirit and can come out in our life. Remember, Jesus had all these attributes, but that doesn't mean that he didn't experience other emotions like grief in the garden before he was going to be crucified. He was overwhelmed to the point of death. He was angry at the temple when he uh, drove out the people who were buying and selling in the temple. So, and he was in distress. So, there's other characteristics or other emotions that we can have, but the basis, the foundation of our life, if we're walking in the Spirit, is the fruit of the Spirit. Also, it says here that we've been crucified with Christ. This is a gift of salvation. He has helped us in the sense that He has crucified our flesh and its desires as we walk by the Spirit. Romans 8 says, The mind controlled by the Holy Spirit is life and peace. Remember, we have to submit to the Spirit. He is gentle and He's graceful. He speaks quietly, even in a small whisper voice in our spirit, and He does not demand us to do anything. He tells us what is right, and then it's our choice. As we seek the Lord and yield to the Holy Spirit's direction, the fruit will be produced. Fruit is not something that we manufacture. It's an outcome of a yielded heart, an obedient heart. As we are obedient, the Holy Spirit guiding and directing our lives, that fruit will bud grow, and even ripen in our life. We can't muster up the fruit of the Spirit. I think a lot of people try and do this. The fruit is a manifestation. It's His blessing, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our life. Fruit is the visible expression of power 
working inwardly. It's invisible. Sure, we can decide to love or be patient or kind, and that's all good and fine, and we should do that. But the fruit of the Spirit is a manifestation of His presence in our life. The more we are obedient, the more Holy Spirit lets that fruit come out uh, or develops that fruit inside of us. What a blessing. For the believer, one of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit living inside of us is to draw attention and to glorify Christ. Just like Jesus brought glory to his heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit is in the process of glorifying Jesus. Super important words. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is in the process of glorifying Jesus. Preaching the gospel in all of its fullness is glorifying Jesus. His teaching, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, everything that he has provided in salvation, when we speak of that, we are glorifying him. Revelation 19.10, the last part of the verse says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What does that mean? When we speak the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of its fullness, we are actually speaking for God. We are prophesying the truth. After Jesus ascended to God, he empowers his disciples with the Holy Spirit, and they begin doing exactly what Jesus taught and modeled for the previous three and a half years. With this new Holy Spirit power, they healed the sick and boldly preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were, let me say, ordinary men. Nothing special about them. They weren't princes. They weren't rich. Uh, they didn't have great education. They were just normal people like you and me. In Acts 4.13, the religious rulers are speaking about them, and they say, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter and John were being led and empowered by the Holy Spirit, continuing the work that Jesus had started. You see, Jesus is still doing the same work that he started some 2,000 years ago. It's no different for us today. The Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Holy Spirit is given in Acts chapter 2. Let's do a little bit of a survey of the results of His presence starting in Acts chapter 2. As I said earlier, we've already talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so I'll skip that. But they spoke in tongues, they boldly preached the gospel again and again, so effectively that thousands got saved. They lived in unity, they healed the sick, they got arrested, and they rejected the command of the religious leaders of those days who were rejecting Christ. In chapter 5, a couple, they lose their life because they lie to the Holy Spirit. And in verses 12 through 16 in chapter 5, it says, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. 
Nonetheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them. As he passed by, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Jesus' ministry continues. And so does the persecution with the first Christian martyr, Stephen. Listen to what happens to a group of Gentiles when the gospel is preached to them in Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 44. It says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. We have a new thing here. Praising God comes up when the Holy Spirit is given. The gospel goes forth outside of Israel with abundant miracles and healings, even the raising of the dead and, of course, persecution. The last example that I want to bring up is Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. It says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit after you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied a new word prophesied. When the Holy Spirit comes, there will be prophesying. And if you look in the Old Testament, you'll find many people, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they prophesied. And this means that they were speaking from the Holy Spirit the words of God. In conclusion, as we walk in the counsel of the Holy Spirit, we enjoy the fruit of His presence— Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so on. Also, wherever people are willing to work with the Holy Spirit, as He glorifies Jesus, we will see the preaching of the gospel, healing, we will see deliverance from demonic spirits, we will see praises to God, worship, prophecy, unity, prayer, speaking in tongues, raising the dead. These are the types of activities that we will enjoy as we are obedient to the Holy Spirit. I have a whole nother section that I want to talk about, and it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but I'm going to do that in the next podcast. Feel free to reach out to me at thecleansoul.org.